Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Is that not a great worship session? I saw, I was here for the soundtrack. I was like, man, it is going to rock tonight. So well done, everybody. Okay. So today we're going to be mostly into uh, 2 Timothy. Timothy. And um, it's funny, this was a hard uh, sermon for me to put together because there's so many things to stitch together. I felt like I was Frankenstein putting the monster back together. Uh, but I had a history teacher one time said to me, you know what, if I bury you in books, I'll be doing you a favor. So, there's going to be a lot to uncover, but you're all smart and spiritual uh, people, we're going to be fine, I'm going to let you on at the end. We're going to go through it, and I'll take care of you to the end. Okay, so tonight's uh, title of tonight's message is Battle Plan Endure, by me. Hi. Okay. Now, during Prophecy Night last week, we covered some intense and hard subjects. But if you recall, I said that we have to be in the business of hope. That hope comes from putting our faith in Christ. No matter how bad it gets, we have to put our faith in Him. Today, I would like to further emphasize that. The book of 2 Timothy, I believe, not only offers that hope, but gives us a blueprint on how to live and how to weather the storms of life. Now, historical background and context. Not that much history, just a little bit for now. This is Paul's last letter before he is executed. The loneliness and hardship of being in prison made him think about his dear son in the faith, Timothy. Two major themes of this letter are apparent. The first is the friendship between these two men, which are paramount and on full display. The second is Paul's willingness to teach and instruct Timothy, who is a young pastor, on how to minister and live by the gospel. Although this is a letter between one pastor to another, an older pastor to a younger pastor, I believe it instructs us, everyday Christians, on how to live and how to act for the sake of the gospel. Okay, so first is going to be 2 Timothy verse, uh, 1, chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of, our, of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is this in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying off of my hands. For God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now, as Paul is imprisoned, he writes to Timothy, his son, in the faith. Okay, whenever you read the gospel, you probably hear words like, Pidimu, pidimu, in Greek it means my son, my child. So a lot of times when they say my son, it really means son of the faith. As Paul is in prison, he writes to Timothy, he has fond, he has fond and kind memories of him. He remembers and prays for him. He misses him and wants to see him. Now how could he not, right? You have brought your brothers in the faith. Okay, imagine us now where we are all here, we're congregating, and God forbid we're separated for whatever reason. 
We long for each other. We're brothers and sisters. Being mindful of his tears is Paul acknowledging that Timothy is also in pain for realizing Paul is imprisoned. Okay, that's important because it goes both ways. Okay, people are in prison, they're, they're missing, they're, they're in chains. People who, who um, love them are also suffering because there's, there's a separation there. Um, realizing that his faith is genuine, he also realized that a new, that this, he saw the same genuine faith in his grandmother and mother. Okay, so basically Paul sees in Timothy what he saw in his mother and grandmother. His mother and grandmother were Jewish and his father was a, a non-believing Greek. When we are afraid, we must remember verse 7, that God did not give us a spirit of fear. We must have courage. Now, in the Bible, courage is the opposite of fear. When God commands us to f- not to fear, but to be of good cheer and to have courage, he is always commanding against fear. So that's always the, the thing. There's fe- fear and then there's courage. We have to go against the fear, which is the opposite of courage. Fear is the opposite of courage. But God doesn't simply command courage with no reason behind it. In nearly every incident where God says, fear not, there follows a reason to have courage. And that reason, get this, is God himself, his nature and his perfect plans. So remember that our courage comes from the Lord Almighty himself. And what better of an ally than this? For scripture also says in Romans 8.31, What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Okay, not ashamed of the gospel. This is uh, 2 Timothy verses 1, 8 to 12. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I have appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know who I am, have believed in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul instructs Timothy to not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed that your teacher is being punished, persecuted, or even put to death. So what does he ask Timothy to do instead? To share in his suffering. There's a lot of happening at her, at her, uh, here at the... T- there's a lot happening out here at the same time. Paul is close to death. He knows that Timothy is hurting by this. He knows that Timothy is the future of the church. So he ministers to him in two ways. So this is Paul ministering to, to Timothy. He ministers to his heart. Not to worry about it, but to be courageous. Things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. But to also rise up and be the future leader of the church. Paul's time is gone. He's here, he's doing what he has to do, he has to move on. Now the time is to pass the torch. And Timothy is that torch. Paul instructs Timothy to remember the gospel, to remember who he was and what Christ did on earth and on the cross. It's for this reason Paul suffers. But he's not ashamed because he is persuaded that there's reason for his suffering. That is the reason for his suffering. 
Paul knows that Christ will deliver him. He further instructs Timothy to share in his sufferings through the power of God. Why? Because he has saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not through our works, but through God's purposes. And God's grace given to us through Christ before time began. Now I want you to remember that, before time again. That is such a beautiful phrase and it's also so crucial. Given to us through the Christ before time again not only shows God's purpose so many ages ago, but it also shows us his plans through Christ the Deliverer. God not only has foreknowledge of his plans, but he also showcases his son's divinity. God planned this so this long ago, and he used Christ to do it before time began. So, let's go to John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. We all know this, but it bears repeating again. In the beginning was the Logos, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, with the, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And to emphasize this point even further, Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. And I love this. Let's just take what we just read, and it just wraps it up even nicer. Nice little bun, like a little... Taco Bell bun. For by all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things he may have the preeminence. Now, you apologetic scholars out there like me, you history buffs, you Bible scholars, don't get hung up on that word firstborn, okay? Just remember firstborn equals first eminence, preeminence, okay? A lot of false teachers like to say, oh, firstborn, that means he's created. Not, not so fast. And the research is there to back it up. Now, be loyal to the faith. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, verses 13 to 14. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. What Paul is saying here is to remember the sound words he spoke to you, his young disciple, Timothy, which is the truth, in faith and love which comes from Christ. The Holy Spirit will keep that in mind in him and that Timothy must keep guard with what has been entrusted to him. Okay? Timothy has to defend the faith. That's what this is about. Okay? And we know historically that he was the, uh, he was the uh, priest at, at Ephesus, and throughout time, he passed it on. All the lessons that were necessary. This is how this works. Okay. Be strong in grace. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 2 to 7. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may pl uh, please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, 
He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. This is saying, be strengthened by the spirit of grace, which is found and comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. Teach what Paul has taught you to other men who can teach. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. For the one who enlisted you will use you and to stay out of earthly entanglements. That may block you from ministering the gospel. Now this is a very tough in this day and age, right? I mean, living in the freest country in 2024, with so many things going on, it's very difficult to stay on track. I have this saying where my schedule can fill up any time for anything. I can be busy with anything. I'm sure you all can too. And my calendar can fill up quickly with nothing important. And I'm sure you all have that same problem. However, we are instructed, we are called to follow the word or live by the world's standards. I'm sorry, we are not instructed to call by, by the world's standards. Within reason, of course. Yes, take care of your responsibilities. But the key here is to make time for the Lord. I think the key word here is make time. And it's funny because a lot of people have their own rituals, which is great. Evening prayer, morning prayer, lunch prayer. There's no right answer. But I think the idea is if you're making time is what's important. Amen? All right. Uh, Jocko Willink used to be a Navy SEAL, and now he's a podcaster. And he always says, fit it in. So everybody, fit it in. Now, Paul further illustrates the struggle of faith by using examples of an athlete and a farmer. The same struggle and sweat you put into these, those things is the same struggle needed to live. Obey and use the gospel for God's purposes. So struggle hard and struggle to win. It's not easy, folks. We are living increasingly, and I'll get into this further in, into the sermon, but we're living increasingly into hostile territory. This is why you have to endure. This is why you have to push. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of, is of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, and they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, verse 11. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Jesus Christ is from the seed of David. We know this. For this reason, Paul is in chains and imprisoned. Even telling the truth can, will get you in trouble. The truth cannot be changed, so he suffers so that others know the truth. Okay? You will be persecuted, accused for, for uh, preaching the, the word, preaching the truth. Now, what is this meaning, this, the, what we just read? If we die for Christ, we live with Christ in eternity. If we endure, we will be provided, we'll be proven to be a wonderful servant and will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, we will, he will remain faithful. Now, I love that because notice 
how this breaks down. If we deny him, he will deny us. There's no effort. Okay, you want to go? Fine. But if we lack faith, Christ will cover the spread. Isn't that amazing? If we lack faith, he will cover the spread. All right? Now, to emphasize that a little more, approved and disapproved workers, and this is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 to 19. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message was spread like cancer. Hermanius and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this zeal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So that's a lot of spiritual discipline, uh, a lot of spiritual stuff right there. The Lord knows who belongs to him. We belong to him. He knows. He called us. We belong to him. Amen? Therefore, those who are, who are not his must depart in iniquity, from iniquity. Okay? We cannot do both. We cannot be in, in iniquity and sin and be called by God. You can't be a follower of Christ and live in the world of sin. There's no gray area. This is very black and white. You cannot serve two masters. You either serve God or the devil, but not both. For those of you who are struggling with sin, it's okay. Spend time with the Lord and repent. He is awaiting for your repentance. He longs for it. Micah 7.19 He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And this is the sea of forgetfulness. And what is the sea of forgetfulness? It's God's forgiveness. And how, when we are justified in Christ, God forgets our sins so completely that they might as well be buried at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, how beautiful is that? You know, I'm reminded of 1 John about how, like, you know, God always forgives. If we repent, he forgives. There's nothing that we can, can say where he says, no, I'm done. I'm done with you. That's it. I, I'm, I'm all out of forgiveness. I'm all out. I'm chalk full out. That's it. We're done. Never happens. That's the beauty of our Lord. If you are approved by the Lord, there's a certain criteria to follow. You must not be entitled with idle talk and babble, which was the previous verse. Use no words, use no words of no profit. This means to watch what you say and speak in a more efficient manner. In other words, be mindful of how you speak. You know, Katie and I have a book that we've been, it's on our pile to get to about how to tame the tongue. And we, would, we did, well, like, maybe eight chapters of that book, and there's so many things you can do to tame the tongue, okay? If I can be, um, if I can remind you, always watch your tongue. Watch the things you say, watch your tone, because it, the tongue can give and destroy life. You must be approved by God by making sure that when you read the Word of God, this is also part of taming the tongue, that when you read the Word of God or you preach, you, you are rightly doing so, Okay? You're performing what is called exegesis. You're being honest before the Lord. You're allowing the text to speak to your, are you allowing the text to speak to your heart? Or are you speaking to it? Okay? That's the honesty of the, of the gospel. That's how God sculpts you. 
when you're, when you're reading the, uh, the Word and there's something there, and it's, it's the text telling you, not what you're telling the text. Okay? Shun and profane and idle babble. Why? Because this will lead to ungodliness. This could lead to character assassination, defamation, and gossip. You must control the tongue and exhibit self-control. If the tongue runs amok, it's like trying to tame a wild horse, and it will get crazy. I mean, I'm not a horse guy. I think Pastor Joe's a horse guy. I'm sure he can confirm that. So ask him about that. But I'm pretty sure it's pretty safe. Okay, now the names Hymenaeus and Philetus are names that were just people that were exhibiting ungodliness and engaged in overthrowing the faith of some. They were the examples of characters of false teachers and false influencers who have been doing this sort of thing since time again. I mean, when you read scripture, it's all over. Somebody here, you know, Paul has a problem with somebody in 1 Corinthians. Somebody tries to derail him. It's all over. These are people of the devil that just are against the gospel. So we must stay away from those. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 to 26. How's everybody doing so far, all right? Am I throwing the book at you? But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with all those who call on the Lord and of pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but to be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil." having been taken captive by him to do his will. Okay, vessels of honor. Let's break that down. There are two choices to live. Two choices, to live in sin or to not live in sin. We all play our roles. Even if we are in sinful category, we can clean up our act and get out of that lifestyle. The vessel of honor will be blessed and cleansed and used by God. Make sure you are in that proper vessel. Again, flee useful lusts and pursue righteousness. This goes for anyone, no matter age. He, uh, he uses the word useful lust, but I would argue that it's all kinds of lust, the world, lust of the world. But do not live in a sinful lifestyle and do not pursue the things that the world has to offer. Instead, pursue a life of righteous living. Fellowship with those who pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and those who call from the Lord with a pure heart. All of this here is fellowship. We're all together. We're all supposed to connect. This is good. This is what we have to do more of. Especially nowadays, when it's so hard to do so, you know, with the media and the sicknesses and whatever, and, they want to, and everybody wants to be separated. We have to come together. Quarrels. Stay away from, the, from controversies that breed quarrels. Anything that is provoking, triggering, or that can cause abuses and fights. Okay? Don't be quarrelsome. Be kind to everyone. Patiently enduring evil. Okay? I didn't tell anybody this. I mean, only one person knows this. But last week, I, was, I feel like I was spiritually attacked. I, was, I had a dream where, um, and it was funny because it was only like 20 minutes where I was sleeping and I was in a basement somewhere. And I opened up the door and this, this thing, uh, this black entity looked at me, took a, uh, a good 10-pound um, bag of ice 
and chucked it at my chest and I fell to the ground and I felt like something was on top of my back and on the back of my head. And it, I, I, I couldn't get out of it until I prayed the name of Christ and it let me go. Um, it could have been a bad dream, but I just feel like it was spiritually attacked. So I bring that up to say that, you know, the devil is going to try to find ways to, to try to, to come, come after you. Like if you have areas of, let's say areas where you, you, you give to God that, are, that were sinful and those doors are closed, he's going to find other ways. You know, because I, I mean, we all live with sin to an extent, but I don't live in, in sin to a point where I'm like, what else could he take from me? That was the key. I was going to, what is he going to take from me? He's going to try to scare me, but what can he take from me? This is why you have to endure no matter what he does. Now, this is important, and this is something you don't see this day and age, and it has to be said. Correct your opponents with gentleness. Why? If you are not hard with someone, they won't be hard back. Through this, they will come to their senses. God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth, which will make them come, their, come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Okay? De-escalation is one of the best um, lessons you can learn. Okay? So keep your tongue strong. Keep it, keep it secure. Don't let it whip. If somebody's giving you a hard time, learn de-escalation tactics. Okay? It's called mental judo. Okay? All right? It's you saying, I'm not going to fall for this trap. You know, one of the best things you can say to somebody that you love is, I don't want to fight with you. I don't want to fight about this. Okay? Keep it in mind. All right? Our tongue, our mouth is more powerful than we give it credit for, but it also run amok. Okay, chapter 3. Perilous times and perilous men. And this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 3 to 9. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifested to all as theirs also was. Okay. Is this not a description of what we're dealing with more now than ever? Can you recall to any time in history where it was really this intense? I mean, how many wars are we at right now? I can think of like five. All right? It's intense. It's crazy out there. I'm not just talking about the wars and conflicts around the world, and there are many, but specifically the behavior of the people above all. Everybody's running around like their hair's on fire. I could spend a whole sermon on the loan on that talking about this. But for now, here are just some highlights. Lovers of selves. The TikTok and social media generation. Need I say more? Greed. Greed's been a problem for a long time. Okay? Major problem. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Okay? The word form describes a false outward appearance. It's people who appear godly 
but are not godly inwardly. An example would be the outward appearance of the Pharisees. Okay? And to put a modern day example on it, there are a lot of false doctrines out there. There are a lot of false teachings. I mean, I'm going through my phone, I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, okay. It's, it's, just, it's crazy. You know, it's getting to a point where it's like, how much can you defend? You know? So, it's a lot out there. Stay in your word. Stay with the people here. Stay with the, uh, the, the pastors who know a thing or two about a thing or two. Okay? The whole world can tell the story for you. They can tell a whole narrative for you. Are you going to let them or are you going to say, no, I have a different narrative and it's from up above? And what are we instructed to do? We are instructed to turn away from such people. Okay, the man of God and the word of God, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 11. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Elystra, what persecution I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. And that's a key point. The Lord delivered him. Amen. Paul acknowledges that Timothy is a good student and suitable for continuing in ministry. He too suffered persecutions and endured, just like Paul did. That God delivered him, and if Timothy keeps the faith, endured the faith, he will be delivered through the faith. Let me read that again. If Timothy keeps the faith, endures the, endured the faith, he will be delivered through the faith. And that's what it is. And that's one thing that I, I noticed for me, you know, my spiritual walk this year, late 23, 2024, is just to endure. Just to, to keep moving forward, endure. That's what the Lord's been telling me personally. I'm not sure what the Lord is telling you. That's between you and him. But for me, it's the word endure. Keep moving. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 12. And all who desire to live uh, God, Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. Let me read that again. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. To put it simply, those who desire to live for Christ will suffer persecution. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what, when that will come. But it's on the horizon. I mean, think about it. The persecuted church is miles ahead of us when it comes to persecution. They can t certainly teach us a thing or two about suffering. And at some point, you have to ask the question in an increasingly hostile world against followers of Christ. Replaced with a different outlook and a different philosophy of life, the world has a different philosophy. At what point will they turn that wrath upon us? I mean, it's, it begs the question. It's, you know, at some point. There's no prosperity gospel here, guys. I'm sorry to break it to you, brothers and sisters. I'm sorry to break it to you. If I told you that was the case, then I would be lying to you. The gospel preached and lived is grunt work. Hard, grunt, sweaty, guerrilla work. We will be tempted, casted down. We will be put through the trial by fire, even more so now that the end days are approaching. I'd ask if you were ready, but truthfully, I don't think we can be ready. The only battle tactic I can draw to you, for you again is to endure. There's no readiness. There's no, you can't be too ready. I admire these doomsday preppers who think they're ready, but what are they preparing for? You know, it's cool. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing. But what are they preparing for? But there's more good news. Not only must we endure, but we are not alone in this fight. 
John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, and I want you guys to, to really hone in on this. If you take away one thing, it's this. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Take heart. I have overcome the world. And that's Christ speaking. And he's not a liar. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. But evil men and apostles will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which have you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. This is the key verse for me. When I did all this together, this is what really set out for me. The world is going to be what it is. People are going to do what people do. This is by no means an excuse. This is me simply observing what is happening, what will continue to happen. This country and the world will slowly but surely fall more and more down the dumps. Evil and vile people will keep on doing what they're doing. It's all over the news. You see it all the time. All the more reason to endure and to stay in the word of God. This is the battle plan. Let the world do what it does and you keep on enduring the faith. You know, I, I posted somewhere, I think I was on Facebook the day, uh, where I was like, 2024, I'm just going to be my Bible all day. That's my 2024 plans. Let the politics be the politics. Let the, let the world be the world. I'm going to be my Bible. That's it. Okay? We as believers of Christ, we have a different criteria. Okay? We're not in office. We, we have a different marching orders. Okay? And this is, we have to continue to do what we're doing in the church. In the next coming months and years, don't be pulled down by what's happening. All this needs to happen. Your charge, your job as a Christian, is to stay in the Word of God. To remember that it comes from the Holy Spirit who has sealed you. He has sealed you. And you with His Spirit, the Holy Scriptures, make you wise for salvation. So stay in them. Be comforted by the pages. Make the pages of Scripture a lofty blanket you can snuggle up with. Because it's cold out there. You guys cold? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable by, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So to emphasize this point even more, this verse says that all scripture is inspiration of God. I like that. I think it fits but I think we can do better. But I like the original translation better. Okay? The Greek word here is all scripture is theonestos, and it means breathed out by God. The breath of life is what's in the pages of scripture. So think about that for a moment. God took Adam and made him from the elements of the earth. He breathed life into him. I can't help but notice that the same breath is in the pages of scripture. Thinking about it in that context, it makes, me, makes Scripture much more important, especially when the Holy Scriptures are our marching orders. So it makes a whole lot more sense that God has given us His greatest weapon, Scripture in its totality, with His breath. Amen? And what does His breath of life, or even better, the breath of God do? I would like you to pay close attention to the order, because there's a hierarchy here. One, it gives us proper doctrine you can be assured that we have the right doctrine. 
God, in his majestic and spiritual ways, made his word readily available. You can do all the research on you know, how we got our Bible and how we got our, our, our scripture, and it's very fascinating, but at the end of the day, God did it. Reproof. Reproof simply means to, be, to remind of our sin. Whenever you read scripture, you can come across a passage that lingers or you are drawn to. That's the Holy Spirit telling you to lean in. That's the Holy Spirit telling you to work on this. After reproof, it corrects us. It shows us the proper way to respond to what we just read. Then after it corrects us, it instructs us. It instructs us in what? Righteousness. Why? So that when that the man can be made whole again and equipped for every good work before us. It helps us to apply it to your life and to others around you. And this is why I believe it's the breath of God. Because he does all of this as you're reading scripture. He reforms you. He re-knits you. Okay, wrapping up. Chapter 4. Preach the word. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Let me say it again. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And that time is here. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside for fables, to fables. But you must be watchful in all things. Endure inflictions. There's that word again, endure. Do the work of evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Put it simply, preach the word. Not only the actual gospel, but the whole counsel of God, which is the Old Testament, New Testament. And being ready in season, out of season is so important. It means to be ready every day, even when you're not feeling up to it. So think about it. Think about uh, the football season. It, we're in playoffs. Okay? Then it's going to end, and there's going to be an off season. Okay? Those athletes have to now endure themselves back into the season again. Right now they're battle-hardened because they're in the playoffs, but it took them an entire year to get there. Then they have an off season, then they rest. Boxers, they have training camps. Okay? The idea is every day is your training camp. Every day. There's no off season. There's no off season when it comes to, to, to Christ. So we have to have that attitude of every day, day in and day out. That's the idea. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, Paul's valedictory. For I am being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. There it is again. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so with the final curtain call, the teacher who poured into his student must now face the end of his life. But he lives with him, he leaves him not only the blueprint of what to do, but the proof of what has already, he has already done. In terms of the master and student, the master does the work first, he teaches the student, the student and the master move on. The master moves on either to retirement, a new student, or death. His parting words are a reminder of what has already been said. Okay, so Paul, his door is closing, but now there's a new generation, new blood, 
to take on what Christ taught Paul and what Paul taught Timothy and what Timothy's teaching everybody else. And that's all you guys. Okay, we are teaching each other, we are fellowshipping, and now we're spreading it. Okay? So, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. He has worked hard. Are you fighting the good fight? Are you finishing the race? Are you fighting in season? Are you fighting out, uh, off season? Is every day in season? Okay? Every day is not going to be great, but you've got to fight. Conclusion. And most importantly, Paul has kept the faith. We have to keep the faith. He instructs us all to do the same. He will get that crown that was promised to him by the Lord. And the good news is, the good news is, we all will obtain that crown if we keep to the faith, if we endure to the end, if we fight every day, in season and out season. Okay? The battle rages on. Get your weapons. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the time to have the opportunity to, to preach your word. I pray people, everyone here, heard what they were supposed to hear, not by me, but by you. I pray for everyone here, a sweet time of fellowship. I pray for Mercy Travels, everybody going home. And I pray, Lord, that you make us battle-hardened for your word, for the things you want us to do. All you have to do is show us and teach us. We're obedient. We're listening. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't we stand? You know, when I was thinking about uh, what you were preaching there, Andy, thinking about, uh, you know, enduring to the end and fighting the good fight and running the race. And <clears throat> I'm a little older than you. Makes me tired <laughs> thinking about it, you know. But, uh, but thank goodness Jesus said to come to me, all you who weary and are, are heavy laden, I will give you rest. You know, there's going to be a rest. There's a resting in him now when we, when we just, uh, you know, trust in him and what he's done for our salvation. There's a resting now, but there'll be an ultimate eternal rest for us also. So, uh, but it's for those who have that relationship with him. And uh, it, it seems like everyone that's here tonight in person uh, may be saved, but maybe not. Maybe you don't have that relationship. Maybe you're striving and you're weary and you're, and you just feel like this is, it's, you know, life is too difficult. God's going to get you through it. You know, one thing, another thing that Andy mentioned was that we're not alone in this. We're not alone in this, you know, and, you know, this world, yeah, it's going to bring trials and difficulties, but we're not alone. God's going to be with us through it. So uh, maybe, maybe tonight's the night that you want to stop trying to go through this life all by yourself and ask Jesus to be there with you. And if that's you tonight, whether you're here in person or if you're watching online, all you have to do is pray a prayer and believe it, mean it with your heart, be sincere about that, and God's going to come in and he's going to do work. He's going to get you through all of the things that, uh, that this life will bring. So why don't you just repeat after me if that's you and, um, and pray this prayer and just let us know that you've done that. Uh, if you're here in person, we'll give you some materials. If you're online watching, just uh, 
contact us here at the church and we'll we'll get you started in that walk but it all begins with a matter of your heart and it's something like this dear Jesus I know that I'm a sinner in need of a savior I repent of my self-directed life and I turn toward you I rest now in you and your finished work on the cross come into my life fill me with your Holy Spirit help me live a godly life that's pleasing to you and that's um, and that's something that you desire for me and Lord I thank you for giving me the gift of salvation in Jesus name amen so that might be you tonight tonight may be the start of your new walk and just know that you have brothers and sisters here in the church that can uh, walk with you and that Jesus will always be by your side. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions, or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.